0: Seconds flat. Give it up. Look at Mills. Look at Mills. I tell Mills he has to take twenty ten thousand meters. Stand by for the kick of oh! Dave Waddle. If he's got it, he could make it. I think he did it. Dave Waddle won the gold medal. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in.
1: Hey, friends, welcome to Mile 77 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. It's great to have you back. The Gate River Run 15K, host to the USA 15K Road Championships since 1994, returns on March 20th in Jacksonville. Past champions include American distance-running luminaries like Bill Rogers, Joan Benoit, Todd Williams, Meb Kafleski, Dina Castor, Molly Huddle, and Shalane Flanagan. Three previous guests of the show, Christo Landry, Anthony Familetti, and Frank Lara, all won national titles at the River Run. This week, Frank returns to the show to tell us about his meteoric rise over the past year and preview this year's race. Then in the second half of the program, we welcome in longtime race director Doug Allred. Doug gives us a taste of the course and its history, a sneak peek at the elite field, and an idea of the changes and challenges he faces in making this year's event possible. If you've never been to Jacksonville for the country's largest 15k road race, I encourage you to put this fantastic race on your bucket list. Now here's Frank Lara, Doug Allred, and Mile 77 of Seconds Flat.
2: Frank, welcome back to Seconds Flat. How you doing? Doing good, Travis. It's good to be back again. It's been almost a year, I think. Yeah,
1: well, it's been a big past year for you, and we're seeing you all over the place. Track you know, Tracksmith ads, morning shakeouts, Sidious Mag. How does it feel to get back to your roots with the second <laughs> Flat Running podcast? I think the podcast has started it all. Yeah, where you were launched. Pretty good. I'm excited to get, get into it. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, you ran the 5,000 last weekend at the Texas qualifier. And also I'll add, you were quite conspicuous in the chat on the YouTube live stream of the 10,000 the next night.
2: Uh, tell us about your weekend in Austin and how the training's going. It was an awesome weekend. I, I'm i always super excited to come back to Texas where I grew up. Having the race in Austin was pretty special to me. And like the, the trials of miles put on such a great event. I'm lucky that I got to see both like the athlete side of things and then like spectate the next day since I didn't wasn't racing the next day. So I raced Friday night and then my mom came down to Austin and picked us up and we went to Houston. And then the next day I like, I, I hadn't done this in so long because I'm always racing and I don't normally watch races. So it was cool to like, Uh, see my teammates and like watch the watch the live stream and like hear Kyle Merber and Chris Chavez get into things it was it was it was really refreshing to like kind of see that side of things and they obviously did an awesome job with it
1: yeah I thought Chris Chavez and Kyle Merber were top notch and those guys are they both have great personality and love for the sport. I wouldn't expect anything less, but it is neat to hear it from a little different, younger perspective, commentating and the enthusiasm was great. The only thing I thought was missing, and I understand this in our world today, was that would have been an awesome event after what the state of Texas went through the week before to have fans there and how special it could have been for the city and the state and maybe your thoughts on that but also just your family's experience in Houston with all the images we see on the news from the outside but what an incredible difficult time for the state of Texas.
2: Yeah, I mean, my family was pretty fortunate that there was really no like permanent damages caused to like housing or anything. Um, I mean, obviously people were without power for a while. And my sister and her family had the chance to go and stay with her mother and father-in-law and like kind of be away from that for a bit, but they also lost power. So it's just kind of like trying to keep warm while you can. And and you don't really think about that in Texas. So It was just kind of like, people aren't used to this. And like, not only is it really cold, but it's also really humid. That kind of adds another like layer to things in Colorado, um, I'm in like 30 degree weather, I'm like fine in a t shirt and shorts, gloves, or like maybe like a thin jacket, but like it's not like a horrible thing to endure outside. It's really dry, so you don't really feel the cold kind of like accumulating as you like go on runs and stuff. But um my father's business, I'll shout out to them, Extract Restoration. They're a fired storm restoration company. They've been pretty busy with work and, um, he he was saying that it's just as just as busy as when Hurricane Harvey hit. Mm. Things are bad. Business is booming, but it's I don't know. It's it's hard to like be excited about it because you know that means that a lot of people are going through hard times.
1: Yeah. Well, we're thankful to hear that everyone in your family is doing well. And you're right. We we don't necessarily think of it with with Texas, but what an extreme then by the time you came to race, what were the race day conditions like when you
2: ran the 5,000? I mean, in terms of how extreme, like, so when, when we first arrived in in Austin, it was Thursday and um, Austin had just rem- removed the like water boil notice the previous day. So I was hesitant to like even drink water in our hotel. And I like had called down to the lobby. I was like, Hey, can can I drink this? And they're like, yeah, they removed the notice yesterday. I was like, okay, you say so. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, it's hard to say cause I wasn't here, but I feel like it's from one week to the next, it was like a whole different world. It was definitely, uh, it, the, the weather itself on race day was obviously not cold, <laughs> but it, I think it, the humidity played a lot, more, a lot more of a factor into like all the times of that day than like people had expected it to.
1: So, last time you were on was a few weeks before Gate River Run 2020. One of the last big events, you know, it was that next week af- after the River Run when things really shut down. Last I saw you was post race, and you told me you had just been out kicked coming off the bridge to the finish. So, tell us about your race and then the rest of the story about what happened after.
2: Yeah. So, this race was like 2020 was like my first US championship that I felt like I'm ready to to go into this and I can win it and uh that was my goal of the whole race and my race plan was to the second to last mile is all a huge climb and the last mile is all downhill for the most part um and like my race plan was to just crush the last mile la- the 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 uphill mile because I I know I can thrive really thrive on hills and that was just kind of like that's where I need to break away and make my move and I knew that if I did that and I got to the top of the hill and I was the first one there that I'd be in a good position and that part was accomplished. And then as I was coming down, um, somebody flew by me and I was like, who is, who is that guy? <laughs> That's not the guy that was running with me up the hill. Yeah. Um, and as I, as, as we neared like the final stretch, uh, a few other guys came on my shoulder and I realized, well, wait, there's a race still going on. And I had a, a final little surge. And then, A few meters before the line, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually really close to the lead right now and ultimately came up short, but, uh, later found out that the athlete that had beaten me was, had previously previously undergone, um, a ban from the sport from some kind of enhancement drug or something. And I. I mean, at at the time, I was just super excited because I I had just gotten second at at a U.S. championship. And I was like, oh, wow, that is so cool. My first year as a pro, I accomplished this thing. And then several months later, uh, it kind of came to light that uh, the guy's drug test that day also came back positive again. And his result was moot. And I ultimately ended up being the champion of the race. But it was like, I was kind of excited about it, kind of like, did that, all right, whatever it's in the past, have, I'm doing other stuff now, but um going into this one. It's, it's really cool that I like feel like I, okay, I can defend my title. And also I get to actually win it on the day and like really set that as a goal for myself. Cause I came up just short of that last year, regardless of what external factors were at play. I, I was still ultimately like disappointed that I like didn't win. So it served as a big motivator to me. Whenever I've been like struggling and practiced or like races, a lot of the times I'll think back to when the guy had like passed me and just like pictured him passing me at that point, and being like, Okay, Frank, you gotta react to whatever happens because you never know if you're gonna be in, in play at the end if if you don't move. That's a really interesting perspective,
1: Frank, and how it has been a motivator for you. How did winning by that? disqualification, as you said, weeks and weeks after the race, as opposed to crossing the line first, maybe as you deservedly should have, change the, percep- the perception from the outside? Because you just said how it helped you as a motivator, but how did it change the perception of you as 15K national champ? What did you hear from the outside world post-race once we found out, hey, Frank's the winner.
2: I think my, my Richie, my coach put it kind of as like, you probably got more notoriety from losing this race than you would have from winning it. Mm. That it sucks that that's kind of like a sad truth, but like, I don't know. I, I think that experience has gotten me like a lot of attention and like, has kind of put a chip on my shoulder as like, Hey, I should have won now let's keep proving it.
1: Mm. So it's a year later. <laughs> What's the outlook headed into Gate River Run 2021? Tell us about the training, where you are physically and mentally.
2: Training's going well. I'm super excited. I, I, I don't know if you saw last, uh, after my 5K race, I, I kind of like scrambled and was like, hey, could I pace this race? Mm-hmm. And I ended up pacing the, the 10K. Um, and ultimately had like basically a two times 5k workout yeah one at 5k pace and one at 10k pace just kind of funny to think about and like coming off of that i have i feel great like i had nothing has been lingering or like I, i mean i'll i have a workout tomorrow so we'll kind of see how things actually really feel once i'm like running hard but um things are great i mean haven't had to like pause in training for anything um I'm feeling fit. I mean, we're still a few weeks out, so still got some time to gain some fitness for the race, but I, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm definitely in a better place than I was a year ago. So fitness is there. I'll be better than last year. So I'm really excited.
1: So a year ago, it was an interesting timing. We were a week after the Olympic marathon team trials in Atlanta, and that may have had an impact on who was in the field in Jacksonville. This year, we're in a spot where The world's just now opening back up. Everyone's hungry to race. A a lot of what we've seen for opportunities for elites like yourself have been more time trial type race settings. There's got to be an element of enthusiasm with who you are going to be lining up against that adds another wrinkle, another layer of of motivation. Are you looking through that start list? Is is that in the back of your mind?
2: Yeah. I'm super excited. I think this will be like, this may be like one of the most elite fields that this race has ever had. So like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it takes the American record to win it this year. Mm. Um, So I'm super excited about it. I, that, that doesn't scare me at all. It's just like, wow, I get to race against all these people and have a chance to beat them. So I'm really excited. I think it's going to be really fast. A lot of really, really good guys and women are in it as well. So uh, all around it's going to be a really good event. I think.
1: I love that attitude, Frank. And Doug Allred's going to talk to us more about his memories of the day Todd Williams set that national record. That is uh, now 26 years old. It would be uh, an amazing feat for someone to to break that mark. But you're right. If it's going to happen, it could be this year. And for you to say that this is perhaps the deepest field this race has ever had is an enormous statement given the list of winners who have taken this crown in past years. It is the elite of the elite. So it's so exciting. I'm so excited to, like you, to get to go race in an event like this. Uh, but I'm also disappointed that I'm gonna be somewhere back behind you and not get to see this action unfold. I, I encourage everybody who's who's listening to follow along live with this and, and get to see an, an incredible field. I suspect this is a stepping stone, a big one, but a stepping stone along the path to the Olympic Trials this summer and ten thousand meters. I presume is that the the target?
2: Yep. That's the target.:
1: What can you take from this race at Gate and 15,000 on the road and translate? And so I, I mean this as a connection for the more uh, the average runner like myself, the, the recreational runner who's out there, who's looking at a build to a target. You, you, are, you are focused on a few months down the road. How does this event fit into the bigger picture of, of your goals for Tokyo 2021?
2: I mean, I see this race honestly as not necessarily a, like like ai am going to go out and like run really fast as it's more of an opportunity to like compete against some really, really good competition and hoping to learn a lot from that and like gain a lot of confidence heading into the track where I'll actually will have to run like a fast time to get it able to get the Olympic standard. So I think it's just kind of like making sure I check off the box of, Hey, I need to compete really, really well. And like, fight as hard as i can to try to win and beat a lot of good guys and that that's the, i think that's that's a really nice thing about the roads is that you're not really you're not always super aware of like how fast you're running all all you really have are the people around you and if you're surrounded by really really good guys you can honestly say like i find myself in a good spot i just got to stick with this group so i think that's kind of the what i can get the most the most i can get out of this race is getting some racing experience and some confidence so that when it comes time, I'll be able to run fast on the track and over the last couple uh, 800 meters or so in the 10K to be able to compete and like try to go for the win after running at a pretty fast pace.
1: Given the limited number of racing opportunities you've had since a year ago in Jacksonville, how do you approach these from a, as you just said, competitive standpoint and just almost relearning to compete? Uh, and sharpening standpoint to get you back to a more, more normal schedule as we approach this summer. It, you know, we just had the half in, in Greenville, and it, it feels like it was almost a brand new experience again for so many people. So wh- what are some of, the te- some of the techniques you're using now racing this winter into spring to sharpen in preparation for the trials?
2: Um, I mean, like you said earlier, a lot of a lot of people have been doing a lot of more like time trial based efforts. And my team's done our, our fair share of that. So definitely like having some harder efforts and, in, in practice where there the racing opportunities might not exist. But um I honestly think I'm one of the f- few people in the US that has actually had a consistent racing, like an actual season. And I I don't think the the pandemic has necessarily stopped me from like having racing experiences because they still happen. And I like, feel like I keep finding them and people keep putting things together. And I'm super thankful that like all the work that's going into it. But I, I, I think the, the opportunities are out there. They're just kind of like hard to find sometimes.
1: Yeah. It has been neat how creative some people have gotten with events like the Ekaden event. In Michigan. It's just super cool to bring that to uh, American running. So two-part question here for you. Neatest opportunity you've had in the past year since GATE? And then the area where you think you've improved most in the past year since winning that 15k national championship?
2: I think the coolest opportunity was the the Michigan Pro-Ecadent and Half Marathon. I mean, that was such a unique event that the the uh Hanson's ODP team put on and along with Lee Troop and everyone else. But it was just like such a unique event where like we had the relay the week before and then the half marathon a week later. And the relay was supposed to serve as like a fun, like, Hey, this, we all love running. Let's do this fun thing together. And it was just like a really cool thing. Cause like, obviously there's like that element of competition, but also you're like a new thing for us. So we're all just kind of like learning and experiencing like, racing at these various distances that we're not used to doing doing in a relay. And that was just uh, really cool to do. And like racing against people that I like now see as like my friends, which I like, I'm just like, just like racing and going to these events that are hosted by like the same people you like start to get to know them. Now people aren't just your competitors. They're like your friends and you want them to do really well too. You just want yourself to do like slightly better. Honestly, that that was such a cool experience. And then getting to do the half a week later was just really cool because we all kind of tested each other out the week before. And now I time to do the real, the real race. So that, that was probably the coolest event that I think I I've participated in that has erupted from this. I I I'll say maybe I, I would think differently if I had, uh, been preparing for the marathon project <laughs> instead of pacing it. Cause I, I think that that was also really well run and it was really cool to be a part of, but, um. I kind of took it as like a workout opportunity as well, obviously, because I was just pacing. I don't know. They're, they're, they're all just so like what the creativity that takes and like the amount of work that people like think about putting everything on Ben Rosario, Josh Cox, like they've kind of like held up the sport kind of for that for 2020. And it was just like super cool to just, see everything, the events they put together, like actually come about just as like they said they would with all the precautions they took and with all the organizers and like sponsors they were able to secure, which is just, that's hard to do in like a regular year. So it was just like the fact that they were able to put it, like people were putting things together, like in a year like this where like the spectators aren't there and it's, the coverage might not be there, but people still find a way to get it done. And it was just super cool to like reap the benefits of it. Cause they don't, they don't do it for themselves. They do it for the athletes and like the fans. So it was just like, I don't know. It's really cool to be part of this sport and Mm -hmm. in a time where like, you can really see people being selfless and like going out of their way to like make events happen and like make them really, really cool. And like things that'll be like, not only memorable, but like something that can come back even bigger in following years after this. Mm -hmm. So that's to answer your, the first part of your question. (laughs) But uh, I guess in terms of what I've gain the most of is outside of racing and like being able to compete at a high level and like looking at uh, at my competitors is not as far as out of reach as I I once thought they were. Um, I think just a general appreciation for every opportunity that exists because ultimately you never know when a pandemic might hit or like some kind of things that will limit both spectators and like athletes and just like the general world world uh, welfare of people, so it's I think I'm just really grateful for everything that i've that I have been able to accomplish and like attend and like experience at all these cool events there There is
1: so much gratitude that we all can bring out of this year, and uh, as we look to March twentieth in Jacksonville. Even more gratitude that a a somewhat normal, closer to normal racing experience is happening for a large uh, amount of the population. You just said that you got a little taste of the marathon as the pacer for the marathon project. That event was a huge success. We had Ian Butler and uh, Natasha Wodak on the show. They had nothing but praise for how that event was executed. Did it increase your enthusiasm at all for a potential twenty-six point two mile attempt in the future?
2: I have every plan in the world to one, run one in the future. It was super cool to be a part of, and obviously that's not how most marathons are run. So it's hard to like. This is how this happened. This is how Chicago, Boston, Houston's going to be. So, but it's I don't know. It definitely got me really excited just to like know that like, hey, I can make it at least twenty-two miles. Just need to find that last bit
1: what kind of pressure did you feel as the pacer? I know that last fall I paced a couple friends on like a sub 245 virtual marathon and I thought this is the most pressure I've ever felt on race day. I was more concerned than I've ever been for one of my own races. What was it like knowing that there's people who are to a degree counting on my role and I'm front and center on the TV coverage. What was that experience like?
2: Well, I I think it would have been a lot stressful, a lot more stressful, a lot harder if uh, I didn't have a teammate that was in that pack, Noah Grotty. Mm-hmm. Having him there and knowing that he was there made it feel like, oh, we're just practicing and I'm just going to lead Noah through all through our whole workout like I always do, but he never wants to. Um, <laughs> I liked that subtle jab there, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> So that that kind of like helped me ease off a little bit like the pressure like honestly it, it honestly felt like I was just going out for a long run and like just trying to do a workout because like every the ever so often the guys behind me would like be like hey good job you're you're doing well. I think the first mile or so were like a little bit slow and then like everyone was like don't worry about it we're, we'll get back on pace. So it was just yeah. kind of like nice to like just have that affirmation like that just getting everyone because because there you know like people aren't like trying to like beat each other we're, we're all trying to just run really really fast so it was just a nice communal mob mentality of positivity which is which was such a cool thing to like I don't know it just kind of felt like they were supporting me almost and that I wasn't the one like pacing it was like them doing them doing the work it was super cool um have every mile I hit I looked down and I watched it was just like self-gratification self there, just like, okay, still, still on, still doing it, and um, you'd hear Jared Ward, there you go, good job, or like Scott Bobble, that's right, good work, Frank, and it was just like, I don't know, it was just super cool, because everyone was just really positive about it. I mean, if I'd done a bad job, maybe they would have been really negative about it, but, I, <laughs> but it's hard <laughs> to say, because I didn't.
1: Yeah, that's so neat, and probably a little surreal, And as you said, you're way better off being a little slow in those first couple miles than than really hot. Their reaction may have been a touch different. We're not pushing you into the marathon yet. I know there's a lot to come between now and then, but uh, it it was fun to see you out there and you helped them through to a tremendous day. Okay, Frank, last one for you. For Jacksonville, I want to know what the look's going to be. We've seen you with a tremendous mustache. Now the the locks are flowing. We got long hair, Frank. Anything up your sleeve that the fans might see at Gate River Run that's a new look Frank Lara?
2: Um, well, thinking about it, I, I wish I could. I kind of want to grow the mustache back, but I don't think I can do it in time. Mm. <laughs> We're only a few weeks away. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I, I recently learned. So my hair has never been this long ever um this is kind of taking getting used to i'm learning that my hair is curly i didn't know that (laughs) um and i i recently started like not running my hands through it at all just because i was told like hey that's just ruining your hair every day stop doing that Mm. um and like now it's like actually like staying curly and like down and like not exploding which is which is nice so i'm hoping that I'm, i'm i'll be learning some more hair care tips between now and then to like Have it flow a lot more graciously than it has.
1: We might be able to get you some sort of shampoo deal or something out of this race. The the heartthrob of distance running, Frank. You are one of our absolute favorites. It's so good to get to catch up with you, and going to be rooting for you from uh, a few minutes behind the pack in Jacksonville. It's so rewarding to see someone so humble continually climbing to. The top of the sport. And we hope you continue that ascent at Gate River Run 15K as you defend your US national championship.
2: Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you so much, Travis. Those were very, very kind words, and I really appreciate them. I, I'm so excited to, for that race, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there as well.
1: Pleasure is all ours, Frank. All right, Doug, thanks for joining Seconds Flat. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's our pleasure. Uh, Before we get into this year's race, which looks like it will have a dynamite elite field, tell us about how long you've been involved and what makes Gate River Run so special.
0: Well, I've been involved. uh, Actually, I ran the first five events. This is going to be our 44th year. I ran the first five, and I've been the race director now. This will be my 39th year. The hard to believe it's been that long, but um, you know, I was a member of the track club and, uh, I, I ran, like I said, I ran the first five and, and the sixth one, I got hurt and they were looking for they at that time they were changing the race director every year. And so I, uh, I was hurt. I said, I'll do it this year. And so I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> so you have any uh, favorite memories from those 44 years? Oh, we got a lot of great memories. I mean, you know, there's uh from the very first year when the balloon popped and everybody tried to fall start to, uh, uh, Nick Rose and Mark Nino in a uh, race to the finish uh, behind the press truck, and one of its wheels came off near the finish line. in <laughs> the storm of the century in uh, 1993, when we uh, uh, got hit by uh, an out-of-season hurricane on the day of the race, and they had to postpone. And actually did it the ne- very next day with about half the people. We've had a lot of a lot of great memories, and uh, you know, had the uh, on the running side, had uh, Todd Williams set the American record, and uh, and uh, I think now, currently, we hold uh, the American records that, uh, for the male, female, and uh, both masters. De- uh, so those have all been great years.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned the Todd Williams American record, which is one of the longest standing now uh, over a quarter century. Shalane Flanagan with the women's record. What do you remember from those days?
0: Well, I remember when Todd came rolling in the year. He set the record. I I, I looked around and I said, to somebody there I said did they go off course <laughs> it was so fast I mean you know I, I the uh it was it was it was just so much faster than anything we'd ever had before and uh but you know he beat a great field that year I mean you know Pat Porter and uh, a lot of Mark Gurp, a lot of guys were in that field I think that he he ran away from and uh so it uh it was a you know it was a great record and uh nobody's really ever come close I think Meb's only one's ever gotten under 43 on the course uh, besides uh besides Todd so
1: who can we expect to see on the starting line on March 20th this year
0: oh man I think it's a uh it's a who's who's list Just a second here uh, let me bring something up here while we're talking yeah please Let's, do uh, you probably know a lot of these uh people better than I do so <laughs> it's uh I mean it's uh I don't do the elite run I used to know all the elite runners because I did it and uh you know I'd even go out the the day after the uh after the race and i'd take everybody out on a 15 mile run that kind of become a tradition that we were doing and uh of course my running days for stuff like that are long gone but they uh and now Jim van Cleve is our elite coordinator and and he has uh, pretty much made up all the arrangements for for the athletes but anyhow we have frank, frank uh, frank's back uh he was last year's winner and uh, mary hall she's back she's she's running uh I'll skip the number three seed because he is uh, not certain he's running here yet. He's going to let us know the week of the race. Uh, Jordan Hussay running, Ben True, Molly Sidell, uh, Marty Hauer, Erica Camp, Sarah Hall, uh, Shadrach Kipcher, and uh, Emily Sessions. I mean, this just goes on and on and on. It's like, you know, we got, I think, because there's not many opportunities to race, especially not at a very high level. I mean, you know, where you can have great competition. I think a lot of people are really interested in testing themselves and seeing where they're at. I've got my fingers crossed that we have an Olympic uh, Olympics this year, but uh, I think a lot of people are just wanting to see where they stack up.
1: What about one of the unique elements of the race, the equalizer bonus that you have with the women's and men's race? Could, Could you explain that and where that idea came from?
0: Yeah, well, you know where it came from is uh, we were doing a small, a smaller race here in town called Run for the Pies, and we had a we we had what we call the championship race. So we'd have a championship race with about thirty, forty people in it, and um, and then we'd have the open race. And uh, somewhere along the line, we decided that to make it more exciting for the people watching because we ran it on like a four-loop course. Uh, We'd make it more exciting that uh, we all uh, we'd let the women go uh, for the 5K. We let them go. We're still doing that. We let them go two minutes er early, and then the uh, and the guys try to catch up. And uh, so we started that there. And then that that seemed like everybody really liked that. We decided that we would uh, incorporate that into River Run, which we did. And uh, it's been. I was hoping. I was real hopeful at the time that a lot of people would pick up on it at races because I just felt like it was the you know. I'd be that i mean i love running i've been running involved in running my whole life but i'll be the first to say it. a lot of times watching running can be pretty boring especially <laughs> if, uh, if you know they open up and somebody runs off and leaves everybody you know and, and the longer it is the worse it is you know so i thought that you know the one way to keep the excitement going was to have the men trying to catch the women and we you know we kept fine-tuning it at a river run until we've got i think we've got it pretty well we finally settled on six minutes and that way we get sometimes it's a female winner and sometimes it's a male winner. So it, uh, and it's very exciting. I mean, there, we've had uh, many occasions where they're both on the uh, straightaway. We have about a 200 yard straightaway when they come off the bridge at the end. And we've had a, uh, uh, several times where they're, you know, they're both on there trying to, you know, the guy's trying to run the girl down. And a lot of times it never happens. But, uh, but anyhow, the equalizer is a great, I think, a great thing. And I, I was hopeful that more people would do it. I thought, you know, national TV and these marathons would be the great, like New York City and some of those. That would be the great way to really keep a lot of people interested, because it brings people in to the race that wouldn't have a have another. I I almost call it the Tiger Woods effect in golf. You know, when Tiger's playing, all these people tune in because you know they know Tiger Woods. But for most people that tune in running. They don't. Most runners don't even know the big runners, but the general audience wouldn't know. But the men trying to catch the women—that's something that everybody can be kind of interested in.
1: Last year, this event was one of the last big events before everything shut down and it feels like you might be one of the first big ones as we start to reopen describe the challenges you faced as race director organizing an event of this magnitude during the pandemic year and discuss some of the changes you've made to make this race happen
0: well you know you are right we were i think we were the very last race as a matter of fact i was at the expo uh, on the Thursday and Friday before the race last year. And I, every time my phone would ring, I'd go, oh, I hope it's not the city saying we got to shut down, you know, because that's how close we were. Uh, and everything shut down. The next week in Jacksonville was the TPC, uh, the Players' Championship, and uh, they got shut down after the, uh, in the first day. Uh, and so it was exactly one week later that the, the the day I was at the Expo on the Thursday thinking we, we might get that call that uh, we didn't. And uh, we were lucky to get the race in, and I think everything went well. I do believe we are the probably the first really big race that's uh, that's going to be, uh, be coming back. Our stat we we put races on all the time here at First Place Sports, and we started actually started back in September. We've put on probably 20, 20 uh, but still over twenty races since we've been back, and all with social uh, distancing guidelines and uh, that that we've been using, and we've, we're going to institute as many uh, a lot of those in the River Run that we can. It's a lot bigger uh, race, uh, so the first thing we did is when we started talking about River Run, I had to. Um, the the, uh, the Gate River Run is actually owned by the uh, uh, JTC running the Jacksonville Track Club, and we just uh, – first place sports just manages it for them. So I got with the club, which I'm on the board of directors, and uh, said, hey, uh, we want to do the River Run this year, but we, we can't operate it. And this is a, the problem I think that a lot of the big, big races like Boston and New York are, are having is that uh, we don't care whether we make any money, and we're going to budget it so we just try to break even so that we can have it so the club agreed and and so I set the number as 8,000 people that we could allow around the 15k that that number was it, it's basically it just turned out it's about half of what we normally get for the 15k but also it was the number that I felt like at 8,000 we could make it work and uh financially you know because a lot of things in races you know police costs medical costs all going to be the same whether we have 8,000 or 16,000 out there running so um uh, so we budged it that way, and so we said 8,000 is our limit, uh, and we uh, opened up registration uh, December 1st, kind of publicized it a lot, letting people know so everybody would have an equal chance to get in, and we got our 8,000 pretty quickly. We then decided that we wanted to make it even safer, so cutting it to 8,000 still is a big group. So we, uh, back in the old days, before chip timing, we had uh, river and gotten to the level. It had about 8,000 people in it then. It was big enough that we instituted a dual start. And so we decided this year, we just go, since we had all the experience and know how to handle dual starts pretty well, we decided to have two starting lines. So that broke it down to 4,000 people from a starting line. And then we break that down into, uh, have eight waves of uh, 1,000 people and four waves off each starting line starting basically five minutes apart. And so that's how we're doing it. Masks are required. When you're uh, anywhere around the start, the finish, you you don't have to run in the mask, but you have to wear your mask right up until you start. And then as soon as you come across the finish line, you got to put it back on, uh, which has kind of been a challenge. I can tell you that's been one of our biggest challenges of the races we've been doing is getting people to put their masks back on. So we came up with a little way of doing it at River Run is everybody, you know, the the medal at River Run is pretty valuable. You can't get your medal unless you get your mask back on. So we figured that's going to get everybody to to hang on to their mask. In preparation for that, we're going to have something we've never, ever had before at the finish line of River Run. uh, I, I call it mask givers. And we're gonna have people there. They're just there to, if you come across, don't have a mask, they'll give you a mask. So uh, we're doing that. We are not gonna after the race. We're not gonna have a post race celebration. You know, we uh, we always pride ourselves on a post race celebration. We uh, have 120 kegs of beer out there, and we go through it. Have a band and a lot of stuff going on at the, at the fairgrounds. But we're not gonna do any of that this year. So basically, gonna finish, get your bottle of water and a couple of items, and head on back. Then the other thing I thought about that was going to be a challenge for us was going to be the uh, how we were going to handle the expo. So we reduced the size of the expo, and I don't know how other races are are going to respond to this, but the the expo reduced itself. We reduced it down to about uh, sixty. We thought we were going to reduce it down to sixty percent of what it was last year. Well, the vendors reduced it down to about twenty percent of what it was last year. So the expo is going to be tiny compared to to what it normally is. Uh, But what we were more concerned about is we do our, everybody's required to come pick up their packet at the expo. So what we did is we, when you signed up, then when the 8,000 people signed up, they had to go in and we broke, we expanded the expo to three days. So instead of just Thursday and Friday, we added a Wednesday so that we could have 10 sessions. And uh, so we have 10 two hour sessions. And when you sign up, you have to select one of those sessions to come pick it up, uh, up your packet. And it's limited to a thousand people. So, so we'll ha- not have any more than a thousand people come to the expo in any two hour period. And of course, masks are required. We'll be doing temperature checks and you'll have to answer a few questions before you can get into the expo. And then you'll get a little patch that says, if you've ever been to any of the hospitals or anything lately, that's how they do it. You get a little patch that says, you're clear to be in there. So uh, we're gonna do that. And even we got all, uh, pretty much set the expo up. So it's all one way traffic that you just kind of keep funneling through and you can't come back on yourself. Set up a maze so that you uh, go right back out and uh, and use a different uh, exit that you do an entrance. So that's sort of the things we're doing. Uh, at the water stations, uh, we're gonna handle the elite runners a little bit differently than, uh, that's kind of a challenge. That's, that's probably been one of our biggest challenges uh, is because USA Track and Field has a lot of uh, procedures that you have to follow having these runners here i mean you know they all have to all the runners have to get a COVID test that i think it's 72 hours before they come before they fly here or come here they have to keep social distance i mean our biggest biggest challenge we have so many uh invited athletes we have about 100 so it becomes a challenge i was trying to get jim to cut back <laughs> some because i said this is going to be a challenge having all these people here uh and trying to you know transport them back and forth between the airport um, and normally, we would uh, at the at the host hotel, we would double uh, two runners into a room. Uh, we're only doing one per room unless they say it's okay for them to be put with somebody, and then we'll do that. But uh, pretty much one runner uh, to that. Open transports that we'll use to get them to the back and forth between the start and finish, um, separating. That's the big big thing for the USA track and field is keeping these uh, runners separate from the general population, whether it be spectators or just the uh, general masses that's going to run. So we're going to have to really secure it down for when we bring them in. We're going to have it all fenced off. They'll come in from a, a you know a secluded area. They'll be into a fence where nobody else can get to. And um, then as soon as they finish, they're basically going to be shuttled right back to the hotel. So it won't be all the excitement. One of the big exciting things, and my wife always loves about it, is that uh, she's very involved in the race. Uh, Jane Allred is that she likes to do. We have a at our house. We have a Uh, luckily have a big spacious backyard and we've had a post-race party in it for years and all the invited athletes come and and uh, you know sponsors and some of the uh main uh workers and uh we won't be doing that this year so that's 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 a big disappointment but we're glad to be having the race like i said we're going to be one of the first big tests back we were and we're stressing it with our runners we're doing things like hitting them with the race instructions so many times they're they're going to get tired of, of seeing them uh, just because we want them to, you know, want them to understand what we're doing and try to, it's going to be a lot on them Is that if they cooperate with what we're trying to do and try to make it work, then big races can possibly happen. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. I mean, I guess it's not a nutshell, but that's uh, the winded version, but uh, that's what we're doing. And uh, we're hopeful that all those, those uh, social distancing guidelines will, will, will come into play and, and, and help you know in our smaller races we've been really social distancing down with with de- designated spots on the road where people got to uh, line up and start but when you get to this size you just can't you can't really do that but we have created the starting lines where we hopeful well, there's enough room that people can keep themselves socially distanced and keep their mask on it all go well
1: as a participant i am incredibly thankful Uh, as a member of that 8,000 that you have put in so much hard work and sacrifice to uh, make this possible. And as you said, uh, set a tone that might be able to help open up some of these other larger races as we move forward. And I am certain, and from my past experience there, that those folks going for a top 10% hat are going to get that mask back on right afterward, because that is always one of the great end of race, uh, not a medal, but awards in, in all of racing.
0: It's pretty amazing. I always position myself at the top ten percent hats because, number one, it's amazing to watch, and number two, it's uh, it can get kind of hectic, uh, especially when the men's hats run out and women are still getting hats. But speaking of which, it's going to be a little simpler this year because that's the men's hat. It's it's sort of a bluish color and so so pink. So they'll they'll. Um, They'll they'll be able to tell that it's probably not a hat for them when, when they come in. But what is the most amazing thing is is that you know people know just about where the time break is that because uh, uh, it's always a, a pretty close within a minute or so every year for for the men's and women's hats. And when people come over the finish line and they're in that what I call about two or three minute window around that. It is, their eyes get big as saucers, and they, if they especially when they see the hats, they're still being given out, they, and I swear they run faster from the finish line to where we're giving out the hats than they did in the race.
1: <laughs> uh, well, well, those look fantastic. Great job on the hats this year. Uh, for the first-time runner, or maybe someone thinking about racing uh, the River Run in the future, give us a, a course overview and a little bit of that in-race experience. As people get to tour, Jacksonville, and also you know a a distance that's become somewhat of an off distance, but I love as a racing distance and and encourage people to get out there. So take us through what people will see along the course.
0: Yeah, I agree with you about uh, about the distance. Fifteen k distance is it's kind of coming into vogue a little bit more just because you know there's been a big shift of. Of interest from the marathon down to the half marathon, and it seems to be getting shorter. So it's you know it's kind of worked its way back to the 15k. It's a great racing distance. I mean, back when I used to race it, I thought it was perfect because even at 10k, you still got to deal with people that's got basically more speed than you. It's not near as much endurance. When you get to 15k, it gets a lot more endurance. And then on a course like Gate River Run's course, the last five k is the hardest five k. You know, so it's uh, playfully we named the uh, heart bridge the green monster years ago and, and that's really caught on and i think it did its job calling it the green monster because so many people that's that's all they think about especially you know usually 20 to 30% of the people who run river run every year it's their first time and they so the heart bridge is foremost in their mind of what am i going to be able to get over that bridge you know so the green monster title i think uh, has really given it that that, that status that that, that uh, a lot of people really fear what it's gonna be like to get over the bridge. But the course is really great. I mean, I, I can tell you that I, I, I didn't really, I redesigned the course, I didn't do the original design on it. I made some changes to it to make it a little bit better. But the, uh, you know, if you wanna run a race that can give you the, uh, basically a tour of your city, then then Gate River Run is one. It's long enough, it just worked out uh, well. And the reason we have the 15K distance was that we wanted to start and finish back in the old days on one side of the river uh, we used to start and finish downtown and run over the main street bridge and then be able to go up to the heart bridge and come back to downtown so it just worked out it was pretty close to 15k with a little bit of adjustment into it to make it work but you know you start in the sports entertainment area that's where the jaguars play uh uh, we start and finish there now because the race got so big that's the only place that could handle the parking for it and uh, the uh, we run through downtown we do a little loop through downtown and basically the uh, with the two starting lines this year uh they'll merge right before they go over the main street bridge at about 1.2 miles you get to run over the main street bridge which is for somebody who's not a a, you know really conditioned athlete that's uh, that can be just a little bit of challenge getting over that bridge uh most of the athletes that are in good shape probably don't even pay much attention to it other than watching for the grading on the on the on the footing but then you get to run through San Marco. San Marco is uh, one of the most beautiful parts of of Jacksonville. Uh, it is the part of the course where uh, that comes around the 5K mark. That's where there's a lot of spectators that come out in their yards and they have parties and they're always giving runners stuff, you know, and I, this year probably we're going to ask them not to do this, so much of that. Uh, but then you uh, get out on the, get to go through uh, down Atlantic Boulevard, which was one of the main drags in Jacksonville and uh, go through this the uh, san mateo saint nicholas area which is uh really uh, that's the part back when i used to run it you used to come out right there to the railroad tracks around five miles and then you ran straight down Lady boulevard all the way to the heart bridge and i can remember one year it was hot and i was looking you know, at the sun's in your face the whole way down lane boulevard and that's about a probably about a two and a half mile stretch and i said this really is not very fun doing this. <laughs> so when I became rest director, one of the first things I did is I cut us into the what, what the Holmesdale, uh Nicholson area to, to get you off the road and get you. Uh, uh, actually, there's a little downhill right there. You run right straight down at the river. It's kind of cool. You come to the 10K mark. You know, we time everybody to 5K and a 10K, and then you come to the 10K mark. And when you get to the 10K mark, you're basically straight across the river from the from the finish line and uh, you can see it right there but unfortunately at the 10k mark is when you start climbing and you have to climb back out of that little neighborhood back to Atlantic Boulevard which most people don't realize there's a climb there and i always tell the elite athletes if i'm ever talking to them right after 10k mark you're going to start feeling like you're not you know that you're struggling but it's just because you don't realize it but you're going uphill the whole way Uh, and then of course when you get to a seven and a half mile mark you start climbing the heart bridge which is a half a mile climb uh six percent grade might not be much for people who live in the in the mountains or the hills but uh, for people from jacksonville that's a real challenge and uh, and then uh you uh, top out the bridge and when you get to the very top of the bridge you just happen to be one mile from the finish line and so what we did uh, a few years ago we decided why don't we just time that and see how fast people run so now we have a timing mat at the top of the bridge and so we get your last mile and we uh, include that in your results and we get some pretty fast times, you know we get some pretty close to four minute miles coming off the bridge so and uh and the finish line's great. we finish back at the stadium and uh we think we have a spectacular finish line, and uh, you know and we and we get a lot of spectators normal normal year um I don't know what it's gonna be like this year, but normal year we usually get a lot of spectators at the finish lines. It's a very exciting course i mean i I've ran a lot of cor- i ran a lot of courses during my time, and I thought it was Back, but I before I was a race director and got real prejudice on what I think about it. <laughs> I thought it was a great course. I mean, it's just like, you know, I used to run Gasparilla and uh Riverrun every year, to, and you know, both 15Ks at the same time. And I was going, boy, the River Run course is a, is a much more scenic and uh, challenging course, you know. So it, uh Gasparilla was fast, of course, because it was flat and, and out and back. But the uh I think the the course that we have is really special.
1: Doug, I don't think it matters where you're from that. Climb up the bridge, especially with a a big headwind like we had last year coming up the bridge. It is a challenge at that point in the course. And you're right, it it is a, a fantastic event. You mentioned the traditional expo and post race experience that won't quite be the same this year, but I know we'll be back someday. And that is part of what makes Gate River Run one of the great community running events in our country. I encourage everyone to get down at some point to Jacksonville and run this. Doug Alred, we are so thankful for you sharing some time with us and uh, looking forward for race day here in a, in a couple
0: of weeks. Let's keep our fingers crossed that we get good weather. That's right, <laughs> we're absolutely. The latest, we're the latest we've been since the very first year. So, uh, you know, we're really kind of worried a little bit about what the temperature might be like because that time of year, it just starts to really change drastically. So uh, hopefully uh, being this late that uh, we'll still be okay with the weather.
1: Fingers crossed and looking forward to race day. Thank you so much, Doug. Thanks. All right. Nice talking with you. You as well. Take care now. That's it for Mile 77. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time right here on Seconds Flat.